right, and we are back. Yes. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. Hanging in there. Yes. Hanging Crazy. in there. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so last week we spoke about Exodus chapter yes. twelve. Yes. Only one. Only one. Yes. And then, so this time we are going to be talking about Exodus chapters thirteen through eighteen. Right. It's getting good. It I mean, sure it's always is. it's always good, but yeah. it is. Is there anything you wanted to talk about before we got started? No. All right. Do you want to start us off in sure. prayer? All yes. right. Okay. Oh, God, I give you thanks for the good gift of your word. Let my heart and mind be still in thanksgiving for this amazing gift. Every good gift, including your word, is a gift to me. I thank you for the wisdom you provide. I give you thanks for your love and mercy towards me. Amen. Amen. Lovely. Okay, so let's do a quick recap of Exodus chapter 12. Okay. And it was pretty straightforward. Yes. It talked about the Passover. We talked about uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Yeah. And then it was the very beginning of the Exodus out of Egypt. Right. Israelites are, are starting to leave. Um, and I mean, was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, nothing yet so far. They're behaving kind of. Oh, the Israelites. Mm. They were. They were. Yeah. We're going to, yeah, we're going to get into that. I know. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, I just don't understand. We all do the same thing. I know. Though. It's we, true. I think it, it, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but I think it seems more extraordinary. Like the behavior seems so extraordinarily odd because they, like visually, they saw that Red Sea part. They saw things happen. They, you know, the, the manna flakes are are coming down. The, the quails are there. Yeah. Just dropping. So. You would think, oh my gosh, like this is really happening. Yeah, surely if this is happening, the next step's going to happen. Yeah, like we don't have anything to worry about. No. Because there's a cloud in front of us. (laughs) There's, what what was he, the the pillar of cloud? Cloud and light. uh, Pillar of fire. fire. Yeah. Yeah. What? I mean, (laughs) that would even be amazing today. Yes. It's not like... You know, oh, that only that that's an ancient looking thing. No, that would be amazing today. Yes. It'd be some magician trickery today. Yeah. Oh no. Oh wow, you took us out of there for us <laughs> to die here? Wow. Why didn't you leave us there? We told you. We told you, Moses. I know. We told you. It's like how rude. I would have said, Ben, stay here. Go back. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I would have said. You were the sassy Israelite. I was. I sure was. <laughs> oh. No, I hear you. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. Yeah. But let, let, let's yeah. get into it. Yeah. But I mean, that is the sentiment you're reading. I was like, oh my goodness. I know. Uh, okay. So chapter 13, the beginning of chapter 13 continues with the feast of the unleavened bread and the rules that the hebrews needed to abide by 
And Moses reminded the Hebrews that it was God who led them out of slavery from Egypt. And he was taking them to the promised land that flowed with milk and honey. Yes. We also learned about the consecration of the firstborn. And it gives us in the notes uh, the meaning, the definition of, of what consecrate means. To sacrifice or to consider something as belonging to God. This dedication practice was to remind the people of their deliverance through God. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 11 and 12, after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised an oath to you and your forefathers, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Yep. Now, did you have notes for that? Um, I do. It okay. says, what did it mean to buy back every firstborn? During the night the Hebrews escaped from Egypt, God spared the oldest son of every house marked with blood on the doorframe. Because God saved the lives of the firstborn, he had a rightful claim to them. But God commanded the Israelites to buy their sons back from him. This ritual served three main purposes. Number one, it was a reminder to the people of how God had spared their sons from death and freed them all from slavery. Two, it showed God's high respect for human life in contrast to the pagan gods who, their worshippers believed, demanded human sacrifice. And three, it took forward to the day when Jesus Christ would buy back would buy us back by paying the price for our sin once and for all. Hmm. So three, there it is. Uh, later on in chapter 13, the, the Israelites were heading out. God knew what laid ahead on their journey. And the shorter way would have brought war with the Philistines and doubts among the Hebrews yeah. as to whether they should return to Egypt. Um, so God led them the longer way toward the Red Sea. Now, also, if we think back to uh, Genesis chapter 50, when Joseph told his brothers that God was going to take them out of Egypt to the land he promised, yes. that comes back into play. Yes. Be so in Genesis chapter 50, verse 25, and Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up from this place. So now at the end of chapter 13 of Exodus, Moses kept the promise and took the bones of Joseph with yes, him. Yes, he did. Yes. Amazing. That's nice. Yes. These verses, I just, I wanted to read because these are some of my favorite ones to visualize. Yes. And we just spoke of it. So Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. How amazing I know that would be. That um, the pillars of fire and cloud were examples of theophany, God appearing in a physical form. In this form, God lighted Israel's path, protected them from their enemies, provided reassurance, controlled their movements, and inspired the burning zeal that Israel should have for their God. Now, they could even just look at that. You would think. I know. But again, they're human. They are. And we, we are the same. We are. 
But if I have that cloud with me all day, like if I open the door, oh, right there it is. Oh. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing to to have that, that kind of that visual yeah. aid, not visual aid, but like just to have that visual with you every day. Yeah. Like I know it said, okay, well, we have the Bible now. Well, sometimes it'd be neat to have that. Yeah. But I guess we had Jesus die on the cross. That's right. And that's why we can't have that because Christ hasn't died yet. So, of course, God has to be. That's true. But that's amazing. It is. It is. It. Again. Yeah. Do you think the people were ever like, is he still, is he up there still? I know. He's still there. I'm not sure. They seemed self-centered. But. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you just wonder what their mindset was coming out of Egypt. Yeah. And they were probably so afraid. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just have to think of their lives and... Because that's all they've known. Yeah. That's all that generation knew was Egypt, the Egyptian cultures, what they were doing, and now they were being just totally uprooted. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Fear must have played a big part. Uh, yeah. Just. Did you have any other notes on that part? No. Yeah, I had a couple notes. God doesn't always work in the way that seems best to us. Instead of guiding the Israelites along the direct route from Egypt to the promised land, he took them by a longer route to avoid fighting with the Philistines. If God does not lead you along the shortest path to your goal, don't complain or resist. Follow him willingly and trust him to lead you safely around unseen obstacles. He can see the end of your journey from the beginning and he knows the safest and best route. That's the truth. That's something we need to to remember. Yes. Like he's looking down, you know. And we all have those instances where it's like, oh my gosh, why, why isn't it just happening like this? Yeah. Well, because you have no idea that X, Y, and Z was going to happen up there. Right. That's true. And then also, God gave the Hebrews a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire so they would know day and night that God was with them on their journey to the promised land. What what has God given us so that we can have the same assurance? The Bible, something the Israelites did not have. Look to God's word for reassurance of his presence. As the Hebrews looked to the pillars of cloud and fire, we can look to God's word day and night to know he is with us, helping us on our journey. There's that part I was talking about. That's right. And that's the truth. It is. Yeah. Um, Now, did you have anything else for chapter 13? No, I do not. No. Okay. All right. So let's move on to chapter 14. Uh, The Lord spoke to Moses again, telling him where the Israelites should set up camp. And God was going to harden Pharaoh's heart again. So just when we Mm -hmm. thought, we're done with Pharaoh. Nope. Because he, God wanted the Pharaoh to think that, the Hebrews were, were vulnerable and lost, so he would come attack. Yes. Uh, because then Pharaoh was thinking, well, I shouldn't have let all those Israelites go. We need to go get them. Yeah. You know? So he set out in his chariot and then all the other chariots in Egypt, and it said that there were over 600. <sighs> that is a lot. To pursue them. Yeah. Um, did you have notes for that little area? Just that. How they were made of wood and leather cab placed over two wheels. Mm. I can think of the movie. Yes. I mean, we, you know. Yes. And they were pulled by horses. These were 
the armored tanks of Bible times. Mm. I just, you know, just imagine that. And then also it had said, trapped against the sea, the Israelites faced the Egyptian army sweeping in for the kill. The Israelites thought they were doomed. After watching God's powerful hand deliver them from Egypt, their only response was fear, whining, and despair. Where was their trust in God? Israel had to learn from repeated experience that God was able to provide for them. God has preserved these examples in the Bible so that we can learn to trust him the first time. By focusing on God's faithfulness in the past, we can face crisis with confidence rather than with fear and complaining. And we all do it, you know, oh, it's, sure. it's just, shamefully, I spoke of them, but honestly, I do the same thing, and we have more than they had. I mean, they have that pillar of light, but Christ died on the cross for our sins, plus we have this Bible, mm-hmm. we have people, theologians, you know, I mean, the list goes on. It's true. We have so many resources yeah. now. Just in one town. At one church, you know, again, we're human and he gave us, we are who we are, so. And you've really kind of hit home with me. They were probably just so scared. They were. I think they were. I mean, imagine the older ones, all they knew. Yeah. And we're not trying to put words into the Bible. That's That's not what we're doing. We're just kind of having a discussion. Yes. Never would I. No, no, no. Um, but... I, I would imagine that was probably the predominant feeling yes. was fear. Those were their masters mm. forever. And now they've disobeyed them. Can you imagine what they were thinking? Oh, and, and God, this is kind of the beginning of God trying to teach them. Mm-hmm. You have to trust in me. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to work the first time you mm-hmm. have to trust him. And it was just kind of a, work in progress yeah. throughout the entire journey. Yes. Um, and the Egyptians did catch up with the Israelites. Yep. Who, like we talked about, they quickly became scared. They started complaining to Moses, um, asking them why he took them out of Egypt and thought that they would they would have been better off remaining slaves yes. there. Yep. Uh, in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Yeah. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And you know what? I don't know why I never really thought of this before, but like obviously Moses has been talking with God. He's been dealing with Mm -hmm. God this whole time. The Israelites haven't. Right. They have not. Yeah. So he's just telling, he's just reassuring them. It's going to be okay. Yeah. He's the in-between. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Mm. And then the Lord instructed Moses what to do next. And I know I'm citing a lot of verses, but I feel like it's kind of necessary yeah. in these chapters. Yeah. Um, in Exodus chapter 14, 14, verses 16 through 18, Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. There's your answer. Remember yep. before dry ground. Yes. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army. Through his chariots and his horsemen, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Now, did you have notes for that part? 
Well, I read this Red Sea part right here. Go for it. Okay, it says, In modern times, the Red Sea refers to an arm of the Indian Ocean lying between Africa and the Middle East. It is a long, narrow body of water about 1,350 miles long, averaging 180 miles wide. In the Hebrew Old Testament, the Red Sea is called the Sea of Reeds. But English translations ordinary, ordinarily render it Red Sea, following the Sep... I can't say that word. Septuagint... This body of water could be different from what is known today as the Red Sea. The crossing of the Red Sea by the Israelites at the time of Exodus is one of the most celebrated events in Hebrew history. The place of this crossing is much debated. Wherever it occurred, it is evident that the water was too deep to wade across the distance, too far to swim, wide enough to engulf the whole Egyptian army, and deep enough to drown them. Confronted by the sea and close, closely persuaded by the troops and chariots of the best army in the world at that time, the Israelites were delivered by the direct intervention of the Lord, who used an east wind to make a channel for their passage upon the seabed. A mighty symbol of God's saving work on behalf of his people, an event that the Hebrew... Oh, wait. The crossing was a mighty symbol of God's saving work on behalf of his people, an event that the Hebrews always looked back on to remember the salvation of their God. How do you remind yourself of God's great saving work in your life? Mm. So it it may not have been like what we think the sea, but mm. it was those things. Mm. I just thought that was so interesting. That is. I love in the, I love in the Bible how they give you historical facts yes. or archaeological facts yeah it's neat it, it really is you know um i just i just when i read that i thought that's interesting you know mm-hmm. i had a couple notes now it said this is the first instance of grumbling and complaining by the israelites their lack of faith in god is startling yet how often do we find ourselves doing the same thing complaining over inconveniences or discomforts yeah the Israelites were about to learn some tough lessons. Had they trusted God, they would have been spared much grief. Well, isn't that all of us? Yeah. Really? I mean, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I won't speak for you, but oh. every day I could sit down and make a list of all the grievances I make. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I imagine I would look at it at the end of the day and go, oh, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I know it. I had... The people were hostile and despairing, but Moses encouraged them to watch the wonderful way God would rescue them. Moses had a positive attitude. When it looked as if they were trapped, Moses called upon God to intervene. We may not be chased by an army, but we may still feel trapped. Instead of giving in to despair, we should adopt Moses' attitude to stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will bring. That takes work. Yes. That takes work because... I know you and I have, yes. you know, we've been in situations like that. And it is very difficult to keep a positive attitude the whole time. Yeah. Because we're just, like you said, we're human. We're human. Yeah. It takes a lot of prayer and t- talking with your friend. And yeah, sometimes you're in despair too, but you just be still. Yeah. That's the only thing you can do. Yeah. 
Because that is, it's a trapped feeling. It is. And a lonely feeling. Uh Uh-huh. And if you speak, only negativity is going to come out. That's true. So it's better just to be still. Those are wise words, friend. We've been there, both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Also, now here's some more, a couple other verses where I just love visualizing this. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 and 20, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Isn't that wonderful? Just to protect them and still be there. Uh, It's great. That is so touching. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord told Moses when to stretch out his hand over the sea to return the waters to their natural state. So God was, was you know, telling him what to do the whole time. Yep. And do you have any other notes for that part? The only thing I have is um, there was no apparent way of escape, but the Lord, well, that's for, that's in 21. Oh, go but, ahead. Um, but the Lord opened a dry path through the sea. Sometimes we find ourselves caught in a problem and see no way out. Don't panic. God can open up a way. And he does. He does open up a way. He really does. Just when you think... Oh. I I mean, seriously, just when you think, this is horrible, there's no way I'm going to get out of it, something does open up. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty amazing. It is. Yeah. And you know, when you're tired, I don't know why I think of this, probably because of all the kids I had, but... <laughs> I didn't get a lot of sleep at times. And when you're tired, your mind goes cuckoo for Cocoa Puff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. So sometimes I remember my dad saying to me, just go to just rest. It'll look better in the morning. And it's probably because I got sleep, but it does sometimes. Mm. And you're just, if your head's in the right spot, you know, you can be more faithful to him. And if you're tired, it's bad. It's true. Don't Don't try to solve something. No good things happen after midnight. You know I've said that for You have time. said that for years. To no the, good things happen no, after midnight. <laughs> I've told the children when they were teenagers. That's right. I love that. It's true. So don't try to solve something. No. There we go. No. And it's also a nice opportunity, and we're, we're actually going to talk about this later on, to quiet your body. And it's an opportunity to, to pray, but also to try to listen. Yes. And you have to give yourself that. And it's important. Mm -hmm. People don't think it is, but it is. It really is. I mean, that is really true. The younger ones don't think that, but it's true. That's, I I don't think I would have accepted that as as a youngster, but I think more in the later 20s and older, if you start practicing that, it's it helps a it sure lot, does. yeah. Because when you're quiet, you can hear him. Mm-hmm. And then, lastly, for chapter fourteen, now this was from a different uh, book. You know okay. those little books we read. Yes. the The title of this little part was "Faithful to the Faithless." When God delivers Israel, He doesn't wait for them to believe before He saves them. Despite their fearful disbelief, He saves them by His grace, which causes them to believe. As the Egyptians approached Israel at the sea, the Israelites feared greatly. 
and showed their unbelief by rebuking Moses for bringing them out of Egypt. Nevertheless, God saved them by bringing them through the Red Sea and sweeping the Egyptians away, after which the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord. Absolutely. That God always stuck by them. Yeah. And, and you know, he's always at that door. Mm. And if you answer it, he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. If you believe or not. You know, if you answer it, if you have a little bit of curiosity. That is, you know what, that is that is true. E- even just a hair. Just a hair of curiosity. He's going to be there. Yeah. You know, and I think people think once you're a believer, you will never sin again. That's such a lie. Oh, yeah. No. But they, th- I think they think you have to be this perfect no one's ever going to be perfect no not at all so i mean once again if you sat down every night and you're like how many i mean if if you're being honest bad girl (laughs) it'd be me but you know oh i hear you our list would be (laughs) at least we're honest listen you have to be honest yeah if anything be we're gonna be honest yeah, with you. Yeah. Okay, so nothing else for chapter fourteen? I do. Tell me, yes. Um on um twenty seven, let me get to it. Well, on twenty eight it said then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. Then it says no evidence of this great exodus exodus has been discovered in egyptian historical records this was because it was a common practice for egyptian pharaohs not to record their defeats oh so they only wanted to highlight the good stuff yes they even went so far as to take existing records and delete the names of traitors and political adversaries pharaoh would not have been especially anxious not to record this that his great army was destroyed chasing a band of runaway slaves. Hmm. Well, it makes I mean, sense because that was kind of their mindset. Huh? Yeah. You know, like they were very like proud of themselves yes. and their accomplishments. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. That was. Thank yeah. you for reading that. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's move on to chapter 15. Okay. Uh, where it talks about the, the song that yes. you, you know, Moses and Miriam... Now, Miriam was Moses and Aaron's sister, just so we're clear who she she is, or she was. And um, the Moses and the Israelites sang a song to the Lord, and I thought it would be neat. I wrote down a list of things that described the Lord. Okay. What they just, how they described the Lord in this song. So they said, the Lord is my strength. The Lord has become my salvation, because they've just gone through this now. Yes. I will praise him. He is a warrior. He is majestic. He is holy. He works wonders. He has unfailing love. And enemies should tremble in fear. So all things that they felt after going through this. See? Yeah. All of that. Yeah. And they they found the goodness in him. You know. Yes. Goodness. That's wonderful. The note. I have one note. Music played an important part in Israel's worship and celebration. Singing was an expression of love and thanks, and it was a creative way to pass down oral traditions. Some say this song of Moses is the oldest recorded song in the world. It was a festive, epic poem 
celebrating God's victory, lifting the hearts and voices of the people outward and upward. After having been delivered from great danger, they sang with joy. That's wonderful. That is. I mean, after all of that, they came to that, you know? Mm-hmm. They had no drinkable water. Right. Uh, for three days after they had been in the desert, and the water that they did find was bitter. So Moses asked the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood to throw in the water to make it sweet. Yeah. Which was nice. That was very nice. Uh, And then in Exodus chapter 15, verses 25 and 26, there the Lord made a decree and law for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes... If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So he's just, he's kind of slowly introducing them to those ideas of things are going to be different. Yes. And I will take care of you if you listen to me. Yes. Um, Did you have any notes for chapter 15? I had... um... The only thing I had was um, our physical, emotional, and spiritual lives are intertwined. Modern medicine is now acknowledging what these laws assumed. If we want God to take care of us, we need to submit to his directions for living. Mm. Just like you were saying, if you quiet your body, Mm -hmm. just as you just said, it helps every, you know. It does. Yes. That's all I had, though. Okay, well then, let's move on to chapter 16. And this is more amazing stuff. Yes. So the, okay, Israelites were were upset. You know, they were grumbling again because they were hungry and wishing they had stayed in Egypt, you know, where there was plenty of food. Yeah. Okay, it's it's kind of like a four steps forward, two steps back. Yes, that's That's right. We're getting there. Yeah, they're getting there. We're getting there. We're going to look on the positive side of this. Uh. In Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 and 5, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. They didn't listen. Well, no. No. But they're learning. They're learning. It's a, it's a whole learning curve. Yes, it is. Um, did you have notes for that section? I have. Um, it happened again as the Israelites encountered danger, shortages, and inconvenience. They complained bitterly and longed to be back in Egypt. But as always, God provided for their needs. Difficult circumstances often lead to stress and complaining is a natural response. The Israelites didn't really want to go back to Egypt. They just wanted life to get a little easier. In the pre- pressure of the moment, they could not focus on their co- on the cause of their stress. In this case, lack of trust in God. They could only think about the quickest way of escape. When pressure comes your way, resist the temptation to make a quick escape. Instead, focus on God's power and wisdom to help you deal with the cause of your stress. You have to be honest with yourself. Yeah. You do. Because you're really, not much progress is going to be made 
Unless you're honest with yourself and your situation. Exactly. That is the truth. Let's see. I had one other note for that section. God promised to meet the Hebrews' need for food in the desert, but he decided to test their obedience. And this whole part is just testing. God wanted to see if they would obey his detailed instructions. We can learn to trust him as our Lord only by following We can learn to obey by taking small steps of obedience. And that is, I mean, that's good for anybody, but especially newer believers. It doesn't have to be this grand leap. Like I'm either going to be this or I have to be perfect. Right. It, it can be just little steps. Yes. Little ones. Little ones. Now the quails. The quails covered the camp in the evening. How that's another visual. How amazing would that be? Like, are those quails? Yeah, they're just dropping. (laughs) Cool. Quails are little, aren't they? Yeah, kind of. They're like a dove size. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I think they're as big as a dove. Okay. And doves aren't big once you take their feathers off. There's not a ton of meat on a quail, I would imagine. Okay. No, no. Of course. Let's, lest us, <laughs> lest us not forget, lest us not forget, uh, I, I would guess that Israelites back in Bible times didn't eat like we did now, no. like we do now. Right. They would probably look at us now like, you big fat pigs. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They would probably think we were those one group, the the big people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the giants. Yeah. Like, what? Those bigger folk. (laughs) (laughs) We're rationing quail meat, and you're eating Big Macs. (laughs) Disgusting. I bet you it's not the size of one patty. There's no way. No? I'm not going to think so. Okay. Oh, I can't think about it. You know, it's not very much meat. Do you ever think some of the other... Well, I imagine it's just the women that went to go get the... Oh, I'm sure. The quails. Oh, of course. Do you think some women were looking at other women like, Did you see... Did you see Joanne? She just scooped up 45 quails. I'm sure. There's no way Joanne and her man are eating 45 quails. I'm sure. And... But, you know, they rotted. They did. The Lord made them rot. Yeah. And get maggot. That's how they learned. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, when my dad would dub hunt and the, the cat would get one, oh. he would eat it and want more. That's how little they are. Have you tasted quail? Well, I've tasted dub. Oh, okay. And I think it's about the same. Probably I have and didn't know, but... What did it taste like? It's not good. Oh, it's not? Well, it's it's like chicken, maybe a little bit. It's gamier, though. Oh, it is. Like okay. a, I don't know. I think it's soury, but I'm probably wrong. But It's I, not for me. But I guess when all you had was quail and yeah, mana quite, flakes. Yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah. There's no salt or pepper around. But they didn't. I thought they had spices of oh, some maybe sort. Wouldn't they, they have a spice yeah, of some sort? Yeah. They did, huh? Whatever. You're going to have to get creative with those quails for 40 years. 
I mean, maybe they chopped up a leaf and dried it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to eat them or look at them or nothing. Because all they cook is the breast. Yeah. It's just a little hump. It's a little bitty. It's like that big. Yeah. You know the chairs were little. <laughs> I love it. That's what you're thinking about. How like big those they? Victorian days. Remember the chairs? Yeah. Because all they're eating is quail. Our, well, I can't say that word. Our large rumps are eating, you know, dom- yeah. well, not dom- Domino's is kind of bad, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like processed junk. Yeah. Pizza rolls. But we don't eat that no more. No, we don't. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Like if you look generally at the yes. United States. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, corn dog. Hmm. Mm. They would probably, if they saw a corn dog, they'd run. I mean, do any of us really know what's in a hot dog? No, I don't care for hot dogs. I only like hot dogs at sports games. That's right. You They're delicious. This. The fair. Yeah. <laughs> quails. Okay, so we got the quails. Quails will come in the evening. Mana flakes uh, drape the camp floors in the morning. Wow. And uh, everyone was just to gather what they needed for the day, and the food wasn't going to last for more than one day, like you said, or it would go rotten. Yeah. So it was teaching them... Only what you need. Only what you need. Exodus uh, chapter 16, verse 31. The people of Israel called the bread manna. I always called it manna, but it's manna. It's manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Oh. That sounds all right. Yeah. Sure does. That sounds like a nice little meal. Yeah, with a little milk, but there's no milk. Huh? What? So it was just water? They had water. Uh, I guess. There's no cow. Did they have... They brought animals, oh, did, did they? they? Okay. Was there milk from oh, the animals? Oh, that's right. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Everything's warm, I think. There's no refrigeration. They're in the desert. Oh. There's, there's none. Maybe that's why... Part of the reason why God's like, listen, you get what you get for the day. And that's it. That's it. So the Israelites ate manna for the 40 years they were in the Uh. desert. I could see how you'd be like, no, thank you, Lord, for the manna, but I'm really tired of manna. Yeah. Like, I hope someone came up with something. (laughs) When you get to your destination. (laughs) Or maybe someone there came up with, there's nothing to come up with. Is there a different meat? <laughs> Slaughter that donkey. Oh! How does that donkey taste? Cut off some of his foot. Let's <laughs> taste it. <laughs> okay, so in the notes, it said manna appeared on the ground each day as thin flakes like frost. The people gathered it, ground it like grain, and made it into honey-tasting pancakes. Oh. That sounds good. Yeah. For the Israelites, the manna was a gift. It came every day and was just what they needed. It satisfied their temporary physical need. And then, as we will learn this, in John chapter 6, verses 48 through 51, Jesus compares himself to manna. Christ is our daily bread who satisfied our eternal spiritual need. Oh. Did you have any notes for that section in uh, chapter 16? No. I think I had one more note here. The Hebrews put some manna in a special jar as a reminder 
of the way God provided for them in the desert. Symbols have always been an important part of Christian worship also. We use special objects as symbols to remind us of God's work. Such symbols can be valuable aids to our worship as long as we are careful to keep them from becoming object of worship. That's good. That is good to remember. Okay, so did you have anything else for chapter 16? Nothing. I had what you just had, but that's it. Okay, all right. So let's move on to chapter 17. Now, the Lord was still guiding the Israelites on their journey. And during their travels, the Israelites started to grumble with Moses again because uh, because there was no water. And asked, why were they brought out of Egypt to die? And in Exodus chapter 17, verse 2, Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Yes. So he sees it. Yeah, he sees he does. the bigger picture the Israelites don't see it yet. Not yet. Uh, Moses asked the Lord, you know, what to do. And so the Lord told him to take his staff and some of the elders uh, ahead of the group, strike the rock at, at Horeb, and drinking water would come out of it. Yeah. Uh, now, did you have notes for that section? I do. Okay. I said, um, again, the people complained about their problem instead of praying. Some problems can be solved by careful thought or by rearranging our priorities. Some can be solved by discussion and good counsel, but some problems can be solved only by prayer. We should make, we should make an, a determined effort to pray when we feel like complaining, because complaining only raises our level of stress. Prayer quiets our thoughts and emotions and prepares us to listen. And that's like what we were talking about. Yeah. You know, that's, that's all like, it's seriously, that's all important stuff because it's part of being honest with yourself. You have to look at your priorities, you know, prioritizing what's going on in your life. Yes. And you have to be willing to take the time to quiet yourself. Yeah. And just listen. Just be still for a bit. Yep. Exactly. And also, it, you're, you're trying to solve the things you can by yourself. You're not just laying down and saying, okay, God, take care of all of it. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that is a wonderful point. Yeah. That's, yeah, that we're not saying that. Right. It's just giving yourself that quiet yeah. for a little bit. And sometimes it'll, you can figure it all out. You know, just he lets, he helps you figure out, okay. Or just rest a little, mm -hmm. even sleep. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's all it all works out. Yeah, the it things does. that are important. That's right. Are taken care of. Now the nonsense, you know. Sometimes you have you will learn to say, okay, this is not even worth worrying about. You really learn that. You do, and you you'll see it clear. Mm -hmm. Every, like so many things will, will go into focus for you. Yeah, and eventually you'll be like, oh yeah, no, that's I don't need to worry about that. No, that's just not even of my concern. Mm -hmm. It's really just not, you know, big deal. Yeah. So yeah. Now the second half of Exodus chapter seventeen um, deals with Amalekites. Yeah. I had to look up That's how to pronounce that yeah. word. Yeah. Amalekites. Attacking the, the Israelites. 
Um, Moses had told Joshua to get some men and, and fight while he stood on top of the hill with the staff of God in his hands. And this part's really neat too. So in chapter 17, verse 11, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Yeah. And so Aaron and her, they assisted Moses with his arms to help, you know, keep them up. So they were there to support him, whatever he needed. Yeah. That was, that was cool. I, I thought that was so neat. Now, did you have a note on that section? I did. Okay. Um, Aaron and her stood by Moses' side, Moses's side and held up his arms to ensure victory against Amalek. I hope I said that right. We mm-hmm. need to hold up the hands of our spiritual leaders as well. Shouldering some responsibility, lending a word of encouragement, or offering a prayer are ways of refreshing spiritual leaders in their work. Mm. I thought about that, and I thought about um, if you're somebody that goes to church, that's good. But if you're, you're not, like... Your group of friends, like our group, we're like family. Mm-hmm. And Reagan came to me yesterday and was like, what if someone in our group loses their job? Like, she's so worried about it. Okay. And I said, Reagan, our group is family. And even if they weren't, none of us are going to let any of us, something happen to them. Mm-hmm. We would all pitch in. If we, if worse comes to worse, we'd all move into the same home we will take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. Like she got really concerned about it. And I go, you know, there, God had a reason for this. He doesn't let something happen unless it's going to bring, you know, there's going to be good to this situation, but you know, nothing's going to happen. You know, thank God she's in that situation, but yeah. there's people that aren't, but we can pray for them and we can help other people in ways that we can. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why it got her so worried, but isn't that something though, that that was put on her heart? Yeah. And, um, her people, you know, but I think, um, other things that go on the world have bothered her age group a lot. And I don't under, I, I really wonder, I mean, I, I was shocked how much it did, but you know, we try to help all we can, but you just do the best you can. That's right. With everybody. That's but right. I just thought, you know, my people, I thought, oh, okay. You know, whatever. But, you know. Well, you know, you brought up a good point because a lot of parents have been, have had to have had conversations with, with their kids as far as oh, this is, you know, what's going on in the world right now. Yeah. And to, you know, hopefully keep them calm, less anxious. Yeah. Um, and help them understand. I think so. Yeah. And I think the world was getting out of hand and children, children's every want was be, being given to them. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. But do you think that, like, materialism just, I think it just, was... Yeah, but materialism, I think, has been high for quite some time. Okay. Maybe it's just come to a head. Yeah. And just, I don't know. There will be good out of this. I've already seen a lot of good. Sure, sure. It that's, But the materialism still is no excuse for certain behavior. Right. Absolutely. Like, 100%. You know, if you want to raise a productive citizen, then you have to work. Mm-hmm. 
it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just thought she was so concerned about it. And I said, it was going to, even friends, you know, you just, it, it's going to be okay. And it will be something to see how the younger generation grows up and what their attitude is towards, towards everything. Yeah. Towards values, towards working, towards life. Respect. It really will. It, it'll be something to see because they're seeing things, they're exposed to so much, even before everything that's, you know, been going on in 2020. They've been exposed, they're exposed to everything. Yeah. I mean, with, with social media. I know it. So, uh, it, we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see what, what happens. happens. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. It will. For sure. Well, so getting back to the Amalekites real quick, in, in the notes it said that, so they were descendants of Amalek. Who is who's a grandson of Esau? So if you remember, okay. he's the brother of Jacob, Jacob and Esau, and he. So Jacob's part of the Israelite line. Esau was not. Okay. Yep. And so Esau was also the son of Isaac. So Jacob, Esau, son of uh, bro, sons of Isaac. Okay. And they were a fierce nomadic tribe that lived in the desert region of the Dead Sea. They made part of their livelihood by. Conducting frequent raids on other settlements and carrying off booty. They killed for pleasure. One of the greatest insults in Israelite culture was to call someone a friend of Amalek. When the Israelites entered the region, the Amalekites saw this as a perfect opportunity for both pleasure and profit. But this hostile tribe was moving in on the wrong group, a people led by God. For the Israelite slaves to defeat such a warlike nation was more than enough proof that God was with them as he had promised to be. There's so many names and there's so many different factions to remember. So as best we can, we'll try to kind of give aids as to what comes from what and who's where. Right. Yes. But it is difficult and you are not the only one if you're like, oh my gosh, who? who?" Who's that? Who's that person belong to? Yes. Um, did you have any other notes for here? No. Okay, so real quick. Now, they did mention Joshua. And jo- this is the first time Joshua is is being mentioned. Yeah. Um, and we're going to learn more about him as they get closer to the promised land. Right. Let's move on. Chapter 18. Yes. Uh, Moses' father-in-law, who's Jethro, he sent word that he was coming to, to visit right. Moses with Moses' wife, Zipporah. Yep. And I remember I had a hard time with this when we were reading it. Now, Zipporah at some point left. Was yeah. that? Okay, she yeah. left. Yeah. And then the sons were going to come visit as well. And then, so when when Jethro got there, he noticed, like, day and night, Moses was, was kind of the judge, and he was talking to everyone, and just kind of how exhausting that oh. was for, for Moses. And in Exodus chapter 18, verses 15 and 16... Uh, it said, the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. And keep in mind, this was how many millions of people? Oh. We're not just talking about like 50 people. Right. This is like a mil- over a million oh. people. Yeah. So there were absolutely disagreements and and... I mean, he just must have been going day and night. Yeah. 
Um, and so, yeah, Jethro saw what was going on and he suggested to Moses to appoint representatives or judges uh, who could decide the easier cases. And then the more difficult ones would go to Moses. Yeah. Um, did you have a note for that part? Um, let's see. I have it for 187. Mm-hmm. Moses was spending so much time and energy hearing the Hebrews' complaints that he could not get to other important work. Jethro suggested that Moses delegate most of his work to others, focus his efforts on jobs he could do, only he could do. People in positions of responsibility sometimes feel they are the only ones who can do necessary tasks, but others are capable of handling part of the load. Delegation re relieved Moses' stress and improved the quality of governance. It helped prepare the Israelites for the system of government set up in Canaan. Proper delegation can multiply your effectiveness while giving others a chance to grow. Mm. Um, and then Moses not only decided these cases... Oh, that's 16, though. Oh, go um, ahead. Finish but, it off. But he also taught the people God's laws. Whenever we help others settle disputes or resolve conflicts, we should also look for opportunities to teach about God. Hmm. That's all I had. Did you have anything else for chapter 18? I do about Jethro, but I've got to find, I, I'm going to find the one part. Let sure. me just find it real quick because I don't want to have people such as Jethro and Melchizedek, not Israelites, but nevertheless worshipers of the one true God, play an important role in the Old Testament. They remind us of God's commitment to the world. God chose one nation through which to work but his love and concern are for all nations. Jethro's religious background prepared him, prepared him for, rather than prevented him from, responding in faith to God. When he saw and heard what God had done for the Israelites, he worshipped God wholeheartedly. We can guess that for 40 years, as Moses' father-in-law, Jethro had been watching God at work, molding a leader. Moses and Jethro's relationship must have been close, for Moses readily accepted his father-in-law's advice. Each benefited from knowing the other. Jethro met God through Moses, and Moses re received hospitality, his wife, wife, and wisdom from Jethro. Mm. So, I just thought that was good, that here Moses is going, and you can see, like, like how we always say what we say maybe is a bucket, you know, a rock and the waves. Yes. yes. So the waves were here. Moses is doing all this work yet. He, he got this wonderful father-in-law and this wife and then Jethro got to worship God, you know, like all the pluses of both. And it was when Moses was on Jethro's land, right? When yes. he saw the burning bush. Yeah. Okay. It's just neat how it all came it together. Just all yeah. and how he... You know, you may go to a store today and see somebody and say, hi, how are you? Like, listen to that Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and just go for it. And like, by you brightening someone's day by saying hello, they may brighten someone's day. Or reach out to someone they hadn't talked to for a while and just feel, oh, I need to call my daughter. I need to, maybe I ought to do that. Mm -hmm. We you just, just never know. know. Yeah. And this world just needs love. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. We say this all the time. It's true, though. It's true. Yeah. And I just I just thought that was such a good example of those waves. Mm -hmm. So, 
that's it. That's true. And yeah. and we've said it before, but we haven't said it in a few podcasts. You you can do it in your own way. Yeah. Your way is different than my way, but there's no wrong way. No. You just have to find the way that's comfortable for you. Yeah. And brighten up that person's day. Yeah. And I'm not sure I picked it for myself. No, huh? I just, the Holy Spirit said to me one day, go say hi to that person. You know, it's not something, I just listened. Yes. Yes. And probably you too. Yes. And that's, that's it. Well, this was a... Another great session. Yes. Let's give let's give out some information. Sure. Uh, our website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. Our email is basicbiblestudy19, the number 19, at gmail.com. And then on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy. And you can find all the information on the website. Okay. I don't know why I'm looking at you and telling you this. Yeah. You know this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can find it all there. Now, next time, we are going to focus on Exodus chapters 19 and 20. Okay. Which, where Moses receives the Ten Commandments from oh, God. Oh, yeah. Does he come down grouchy on that one? I don't think so. Okay. I was looking at it, and I'm like, ooh. Oh. Yeah, that part gets good, too. But no, this, I believe, is just going to focus on the good. Ten Commandments. Okay. We'll try not to get giddy. Well. Sass is almost inevitable. I know. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, people. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will catch you guys next time. Thank you.